This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The 2024 Sundance Film Festival wrapped up over the weekend. One film in particular has critics buzzing. A coming-of-age movie called Didi, directed by Sean Wang. It won the U.S. Dramatic Audience Award at this year's festival. And just a couple of days ago, it was bought by Focus Features. Entertainment critic Michael McNeely attended one of the screenings and has a review. Michael's next to me in studio alongside his intervener, Jillian. Hey, good morning, Michael. Nice to chat with you once again. Good morning. How are you? Michael, I'm excellent. I love me a coming-of-age story. I just think it's such a wonderful style of storytelling. What's the premise behind this one? Well, I'm going to describe it to you, and then I'll drop some facts. Um, Chris Wan is in grade 8, and he's just about to go to grade 9, so he has a lot of anxieties and a lot of concerns about whether or not he will be popular enough in high school just to survive. Mm. And he is also from a Taiwanese-American family, meaning that his mother, at least, is an immigrant from Taiwan. So he's dealing with a lot of cultural issues and challenges. And now for the facts. Sean Wan is the director. Isaac Wan is the actor, but they're not related. They, um, Sean found Isaac on, on the street for casting. Um, and Isaac is an amazing choice, by the way. I hope he goes far. And further to that, um, Chris Wan, it may be related or it may be um, based on Sean's childhood. And Sean was a child in approximately 2008 when the story was taking place, mm. so it's loosely based on that. Furthermore, to cement that idea, Sean used his childhood home for many of the scenes oh, in this wow. film. Well, why do you think it resonated with the audience? I mean, it's picking up awards, it's being bought by Focus Features. Why do you think it resonated with people? I think for a long time, we've had coming-of-age films, mostly with white, white children coming of age. And this time, we get to see a person of color and their challenges with fitting in in a multi-cultural society. I think that resonates with the audiences the most, because, like I was thinking when I watched this film, in Kingston, I mostly grew up with the white people, but that's not the case for a lot of others that I would know now in Toronto. Many people who went to school in Toronto would have had many friends of different colors and races. So I think that's reflective of in this, in this film. What did you take away from what the film had to say about friendship and fitting in? Well, as we know from psychology, um, when you're a teenager or even a preteen, you start to look at your friends more as a, as a source of direction in your life than your own parents or parent, or even guardians, if you were adopted. Um, and sometimes that can lead you astray, especially if you have a bad choice in friends or if you if you're under the influence of some 
really unethical decision-making friends. I think here in this film, we see Chris having two different friendship groups, which may seem like you've seen this before, but it's actually a little bit different. Because his first set of friends are more or less the ones that he's grown up with. And the second set of friends are some of the cool kids that he's trying to fit into. I think the kids are a little bit older. And this is actually getting Chris's passion for skateboarding and for filmmaking, which is why I think it's shown on the lawn. Um, those older friends are sort of a bad influence, but surprisingly, they ask Chris to be nicer to his mother, which is rather surprising, because you don't think the cool kids would tell you to be nicer to your mum. But that's more or less where this film is going, and it makes sense, because, as I mentioned, a lot of, a lot of different cultural experiences are involved in this film, and many of those cultural experiences prioritise relationships with your parents. The controversial opinion of be nicer to your mother, I, you know, that's one, that one that's uh, it's always going to resonate with folks. What did the movie have to say about family dynamics? To be nicer to your mother. Um, <laughs> but I think what's really interesting is that Joan Jen, who you may know from Twin Peaks, um, she, plays, she plays Chris's mother, and she's an artist, and she's trying to, you know, make it professionally. And this is interesting, too, because in a lot of coming-of-age films or a lot of films about immigrant families, you don't really know a lot about the parents or what they were trying to do. I think uh, quizzes from a single-parent household were not really exactly sure what happened to the father. But the mother is always there. She's trying to be supportive. She has a great sense of humor, which is also different in a lot of immigrant family movies. And I really enjoy laughing um, a lot with, with Joan's scenes. But the, the laughs, of course, as with its planned, also make the emotions more devastating. And there's a part, as I probably mentioned, where Chris is not nice to his mother, and that is painful to watch, mm. especially when you realize, being an adult, you and me, we realize that the mother has done a lot to try and make this family work. Oof, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have guilt in my own life about maybe how I treated my parents when I was a teenager and in my early teens. I had an early 20s. No, it's well, um, I could probably say the same thing, but I'll save that for my test chat with my parents, <laughs> yeah. which will come in about five minutes from now. Um, but uh, Chris also has an older sister, and they, they are so mean to each other at first, it's insane. I don't even want to tell you half of the things they do, but it's just beyond the pale. Mm. But the sister is going to university, and when she accepts that she's going to university and she's not going to be around with Chris anymore, she starts being nicer to Chris. And that actually makes a lot of sense. It's a, I love the character arcs that you get to see in all the characters, and not just Chris, because everyone has an emotional storyline behind them and their actions make sense in the little that you know of them. Who do you think would be interested in Didi? I think... Didi should be interesting for anyone who has a family and who wants to know more about childhood development and who may be sort of scarred from their growing pains. It's very interesting because this film is based in 2008, so you get the, you get the, um, the plot, you get the storyline, you get the, the set details are all 
oh, reflective of that time. And so it's a period piece, but it's a very recent period piece, because mm -hmm. most of the time we have period pieces from 1800 and 1900, but this is just, you know, 20 years ago almost. And you have AIM, which was the Instant Messaging Service. So you get to cringe on all those, uh, <laughs> all those hot emojis and, you know, those away messages, like, I'm away from my desk, I'm doing my homework, hit me up by BBM or whatever. So it's just, it's a mind trip. And you know what, it's fascinating because they found a way to recreate the 2008 internet. Yeah. So I wouldn't really ask them questions about how they did that. They did that very painstakingly. Maybe they used the Wayback Machine, I don't know, but all the websites are from 2008, and people have MySpace bios, and, you know, it's just a different time. Yeah, take me back. Take me back to a time when you had to uh, pay to receive a text message, when receiving a text message cost 10 cents, and you had to tell oh. people, stop texting me. It's true. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's... I can relate to a different time a little bit older. In 2008, I was going into my... Third year, I think my third year university, um, or maybe my second year. I'll do the math later. But um, that's a, a quite a few years older than Chris, and quite a few years older than Sean, who is really impressive as a director. Um, Sean has also been nominated for an Oscar in uh, Best Documentary Short, which I'm sure I'll talk about when we talk about the Oscars. He did a he did a documentary. Uh, rightfully so, on his two grandmothers, and his two grandmothers were still alive, to hear the Oscar nomination, and apparently they had a wholesome, a wholesome response on social media. Michael, uh, let's move away from Didi and move to Sundance more generally. How did you feel the online portion of the festival did this year? I think it did well. I just have reservations about the short amount of time that we were given online. We were given five days, and I spent the first day mostly dealing with tech issues, so that leaves about four days to enjoy things. And other people in person would have had ten days, so I'm just a little bit jealous of how much time they had. And sometimes when you're watching a lot of movies all at once, you're kind of not in the mood to watch this other great movie, because yeah. you're just not in the right mindset. But you know the movie is great, and you just feel bad, or at least I feel bad about not being able to enjoy it for as such, which is why DD was such a great surprise, you know. It was a movie that kind of resonated with how I was feeling at the time, and not because I felt like I had to watch a movie. So um, I would urge anyone with a film festival that's doing an online presence to make sure you've got some flexibility with your online windows for watching movies, and more time is always better. And yeah. even if, you know, even if you have to say to people, well, we'll give you this movie again in two weeks, or we'll give you this movie again in three weeks, that's still, I'd still take that over, just having four days and you're done. Yeah, it's one of these things where you're very passionate about film and you want to take all these things in, but it becomes very condensed. And as you say, it's hard to kind of get in the moment when, you've, when you're on your third or fourth movie of the day. Well, I mean, I have to think about my scent, Roger Ebert. And he complained, famously, he complained that Tiff had too many movies. And so you might wonder why somebody would complain about that, but it makes perfect sense because our job is to watch them all. Yeah. So you have to, you can't expect us to watch 150 movies in four days or whatever it may be. And 
you know, I still think about Roger and how he would go to the movie, he would go to Tiffany, he would go to Sundance, and he would sit there in the front row, and he would have a little light, which, of course, people complained about. They complained about his little desk light, and he would turn the light on in the middle of the screening, and he would write his notes. But he said, this is how I do it. You take it or leave it. Yeah. So I always take some lessons from him. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. One of the greatest of all time, Roger Ebert. Hey, Michael, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. You too. And uh, I will wish all the children growing up to have happy and wonderful childhoods that we then can make a movie then. Wow, controversial takes here with Michael McNeely, wanting the kids to be happy. That's entertainment critic Michael McNeely with a review of Didi, directed by Sean Wang. The film made its debut at Sundance. A release date has not yet been announced. Coming up next, how do you feel about brands and stores popping up inside of other brands and department stores? Alex Smythe will pose this roundtable question to myself, Nizreen, and Ramia. Try to have a little bit of fun rethinking the uh, commercial and retail space. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.